You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. All right, if you have a Bible, please open it up to Matthew chapter 2. So we're kind of in a three-week sermon series here on Christmas. Last week, we talked about the birth of Jesus from Joseph's perspective and how he experienced that. Today, we're talking about King Herod and the wise men. And then at Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about the announcement of the birth given to the shepherds out in the fields. And so we look forward to seeing you if you're here on Christmas Eve um, Sunday uh, next Saturday. So today we're looking at King Herod and the wise men. And one of the things that I love about many of the narratives surrounding Jesus' birth found in Matthew, found in Luke, is that they often go against what we'd expect with the entrance of a king into the world. These narratives, these accounts, these historical accounts take our expectations and turn them on their heads. And, and God loves to do that all through the scriptures. But my conviction is that God wants to kind of rattle our values. He wants to awaken us to his true values. And those are exposed and highlighted in so much of what we find in the accounts of Jesus's birth. So today we're going to look at King Herod and the wise men as the main focal points of our text and how they respond to King Jesus, okay? And the key question for us today that we're going to be asked repeatedly is this, are we going to go the way of Herod or are we going to go the way of the wise? And I think that question jumps off the text at us. Are we going to go the way of Herod or are we going to go the way of the wise when it comes to King Jesus? There's the way of pride and there's the way of the wise when it comes to Jesus. And which will we choose? So let's look at Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. All right, so we got two main groups, right? Or group people or groups of people, right? We got Herod and we got the wise men. See that in the text? Herod the king. And then further on in the verse, verse one, wise men from the east. So let's, let's get to know them historically a little bit, okay? There's a lot of, we don't understand about ancient rulers or Ancient wise men, what's that all about? Let's start with Herod. So Herod was, I will say, a king in quotes. What that means is Herod was a puppet king. Who was really in charge in this part of the world at this time in history was the Roman Empire. It was the emperor, ultimately. So the Roman Empire was, and the Roman emperor was the ultimate authority. And it was kind of like Herod would have been a governor and the Roman Empire was like the president in kind of our sense of it. Um, and, and the president gave a certain state for Herod to rule over. And that was the Jewish state where the Jewish people lived within the Roman Empire. 
right? That's why the Bible calls him the king of the Jews. So he didn't have ultimate authority. Rome could come in at any time, take over, remove Herod, okay? In that sense, Herod is a puppet king. But he had, he had a um, provincial jurisdiction over Jewish people within the Roman Empire. Now, here's something important to remember about Herod. He was notoriously paranoid. He had a wife killed. He had some sons killed. Any hint of a threat to him, they're done, gone. Get him out of here. Any lack of loyalty, real or perceived, death. Okay, so Herod, let's remember this, he's the paranoid puppet king. That's Herod, paranoid puppet king. All right, the other kind of main people in this account are the wise men. Now, who are they? Wise men were most likely ancient Persian astronomers. So probably from the area of modern-day Iran, and these are non-Jewish people, okay, Ancient Persian astronomers. And they studied the stars. They had some theories about knowledge that were built on what they observed. They were wise in the sense that they could read the stars and learn things about the world from them. Now, at this time in history, the, the line between astrology and astronomy, I, don't, I never remember which one is the kooky one. Is it a, a, astrology is the kooky one? Okay. Whatever. The lines between those two were kind of blurry in ancient history, and that's kind of these guys were into both. Um, now, I'm going to ruin maybe somebody's favorite Christmas carol. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of ruining of Christmas carols I could do. Pull me aside if you want to. There's some bad theology in a lot of our Christmas carols, but I'll leave that up to you to figure out. But traditional, it's fine, whatever. But we three kings of Orient are. The Bible doesn't say that they were kings. The Bible doesn't say that there were three of them. Okay, now that's okay. You sing the song with joy. It's, it's fine. It's not heresy. But just so you know, what the, it's important for us to actually know what the Bible says. Um, these guys were not kings, and there was probably a big group of them because to travel that far from maybe uh, modern-day Iran over to, uh, to Jerusalem or the area of Galilee, Bethlehem, just the, the ancient Jewish world, that's a long ways. And to travel that far is no easy feat and it would have taken a lot of effort and a lot of money. So most likely it was a big group of people, okay? Um, so, so, so thus far, what do we got? We've got the paranoid puppet king who rules over Jewish people. And we've got these non-Jewish ancient star scientists-ish, okay? Along with baby Jesus, those are the, those are the players in, in our text for today. And there's the way of pride, and there's the way of the wise when it comes to Jesus. Which will you choose? Well, if you are, are thinking critically about this text, thinking and reflecting, there's some words here that bring tension. This text gets really dicey if you're reflecting on it carefully. There's a tension here. What's the tension? Look at verse 1. In the days of Herod the king, Herod the king, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has born king of the Jews? So who's the king of the Jews? Herod 
Or is it Jesus? There's two claims to kingship here in these first two verses. There's tension there. Who's the real king? They both can't be king. We got a clash of kingdoms right away. And verse 1 tells us it's Herod. Verse 2 tells us it's Jesus. So which is it? You've got these mysterious figures walking around looking for a king who's not Herod. These wise men. So we got this tension right off the bat in our text. And we'll come back to this. But for right now, let, let's, let's look at this. What is the intent? What's the intent of these wise men? What's their goal? There's a lot we could say about how is it that the star did this and how did the star lead them and what's that got all to do? And ultimately, we don't know, but we trust what the Bible says here about what happened. But what's even more important than that is what we do know. What does the text say? What is their intent? What's the way of the wise here when it comes to King Jesus? Look at verse 2, the end of it. What does it say? It says, we have come to worship him. We've come to worship him. So if you're hearing this for the first time as, a, as an ancient believer or an ancient seeker, what's the application for a first audience and, and us? It's this. Already in baby form, Jesus is worthy to be worshipped. And not just from Jewish people. You see that? Jesus will be worshipped by people from all over the world. He's not just a God of Jewish people, of one nation. He's a God of all the nations. Already here, as a child, Jesus is drawing the nations to himself. You see that? Not just chosen people Israel. He uses mysterious ways through stars to call out to non-Jewish people from a far-off land with probably a, some weird religion that had nothing to do with Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, and he's drawing them to himself. So this has implications for how, how we do church even today. Like, we'll never be ethnocentric as a church. We'll never be Christian nationalists that elevate the United States over King Jesus. Christmas doesn't allow it. Jesus will get worship and glory from every square inch of the world. Philippians 2 says, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone, all nations. What did I just say before the baptism? It was, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. We see all nations here, just a, a, a sliver of it in the wise men. He's too glorious to be confined to Madison, to be confined to the state of Wisconsin or the United States. His rule and reign, it transcends borders and encompasses the entire universe. And there's the way of pride and the way of the wise when it comes to Jesus. Which will you choose? Well, let's see what Herod chooses. Verse 3. When Herod, the king, heard this, heard what? Heard these wise men are running around town looking for the king of the Jews. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, 
and all Jerusalem with him. Why would all Jerusalem with him be troubled? Well, if there's news of a competing king, that sense that 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 um that signifies some tension potentially on the horizon. Some conflicts, maybe some war, right? That's not foreign to their experience. So what's Herod do? Verse 4. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes, so it gets the, the Bible guys together. Um, it's an important historical note here. The chief priests are the Sadducees. Okay, it doesn't say Sadducees, but that's what the chief priests were. And they weren't as much Bible guys as the scribes were. They were more political in nature. They, they had kind of some very different beliefs than Pharisees and scribes. They didn't take the scriptures quite as seriously. So when Herod takes the, the, the chief priests or the Sadducees and, and unites them to the scribes to study the scriptures and they agree, that's a big deal. Because they don't agree about a lot historically. Okay? The Sadducees were much more liberal, uh, just more, po- more politicians. Leveraging their power, scribes, very, very conservative, took the scriptures very seriously. But he gets them together, and he wants the perspective from, from, from these guys, from these religious leaders. And they agree. That's a significant thing. He inquired of them, verse 4, where the Christ was to be born. So Herod is, is perceiving here a threat. And as we know of Herod, he will tolerate no rivals. He will tolerate no threats. And, 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 and he, as he's a governor, as he's been given authority over a certain region, if there's a rival king that, like we talked about, could be stress, that could be tension, that could be conflict. And he knows as he's been given this, entrusted with this little portion of the Roman Empire, he knows that the Romans are not a fan of chaos. And they will squelch chaos very quickly. So he knows that as well. So he's like, he's got a problem here that he needs to work out. He's got to get to the bottom of this. So that's what he does. He he gets the, the Bible guys together. And he's like, well, let's do some Bible homework. Let's see what the scriptures say about the Messiah. And we should say, Herod, man, you're off to a good start. Our guy's off to a good start. So he gets them together and let's see what they say. Verse 5. They told him, so referring to verse 4, where the Christ was to be born. Verse 5. They told him, quote, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So they just straight up tell him, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Old Testament has predicted about the coming Messiah. The king of God's people will be born in Bethlehem. All right, so let's keep reading. Verse 7. So what does Herod do? Well, he summons the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them at what time the star had appeared. So now we've got a conversation between the wise men and, we've, and, 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 the, uh, and Herod. 
And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now, if we know the rest of the story, which we won't spend a ton of time on today, we know that Herod was maniacal and insecure, and there's some carnage that, that, that flows from this, and it's horrific. He has no desire to worship Jesus. He's just lying here, right? Bold-faced lie in verse 8. He wants to kill Jesus because threats to his kingship will not be tolerated, and that's what he attempts to do as the, as the account continues But consider this. There's a fascinating aspect here that I think sheds light into all of our human hearts. That we can't, we too can see ourselves in Herod if we're honest. Isn't it interesting that Herod is willing to listen with ears to hear to the Bible guys? Right? He's willing to trust what God's word says in the Old Testament about the coming Messiah. So much so that he's willing to act upon it, right? He doesn't just say, scribes, chief priests, Sadducees, what you guys are saying is crazy. Like, who actually believes that Old Testament stuff anyway? He doesn't say that. It's like, that's just a bunch of made-up stories from ancient people. They were so dumb. We're smart now. We don't need to believe all that old stuff. No, Herod believes it. Enough to act on it. But what's the, what's the problem? What's the, what's the issue? The issue is he believes it, but he hates it. This is another vivid example, like the Pharisees, of how brute facts won't lead anyone to Christ. The Pharisees knew Jesus was risen from the dead, and they hated it, and they wanted to kill it. They saw Lazarus rise from the dead. They plotted to kill him, right? Herod believes God's word to act upon it, to go to some efforts, but he hates it. Hated that knowledge. The miracle of prophecy being fulfilled did not stir his heart to worship. It stirred his heart to hatred and murder. You can have a settled confidence that the God of the Bible is the true God of the Bible and still hate that God of the Bible. So here's the deal. The issue in Christian faith and worship is not what do you believe in the sense of what do you intellectually assent to. in terms of what are the facts. It's not, can you pass a theology test? And theology is important, don't get me wrong. And it's not, like, so do you just know the right answers about God? As important the right answers are. You can know all the right answers and believe what the Bible says is true and still hate it, and still not want it, to have no affection for it, And that's terrifying, but we're all capable of it. The issue in Christian faith and worship is not what do you believe in terms of intellectual assent, in terms of the facts. The issue is what do you love and what do you want? 
right? What did Herod want? He just wanted his power. He just didn't want the Romans messing with him. There's a way of pride in the way of the wise when it comes to Jesus. Which will we choose? So let's see a contrast here, starting in verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Take note of the wise men's response. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Such a contrast here. You see it between Herod and the, and the wise men? Consider Herod. He's exposed to the Bible and believes that it's true yet hates the truth and literally wants to kill it. His little kingdom, his tiny little kingdom, will have no rivals. And consider the utter foolishness of this, right? Like sin is always irrational. It's always foolish. Like he believes the Bible enough to act upon it, but if he really knew what he was doing, he would know that if this is God's Messiah come into the world then any attempt to get in the way of God's plan would be absolute lunacy, right? But still he gives it a shot. Just sin is always irrational. He still tries. We all have the capacity for this. Then, the other side, we've got the wise men, these star scientists, pagan star scientists. We don't have the Bible they're somehow given clues about King Jesus and where he was through miraculous means that we don't fully understand. They don't have the Bible like Herod had. And yet, despite their lack of knowledge, their emotions were vastly different than Herod. Look at how they responded. Look at the words. What are their emotions when they saw the star? And when they saw the star, verse 10, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It's the common nativity scene that we have in our homes. Again, I'm like blowing up Christmas for some of you. But like, here's the deal. In the nativity scene, the wise men are always standing up. Y'all need to go home and take those wise men and put them face down. Like, that's the, what the Bible says about the nativity scene. They prostrate themselves before King Jesus in worship. Why? Because they love him with exceeding joy, right? They don't want to kill the truth. They want to worship the one who is the truth. They don't have all the knowledge but they have sufficient knowledge for trusting faith and treasuring faith. We don't even know exactly what they knew, but they obviously knew enough that they had, they had the faith to travel a long ways, real costly, spend a lot of money, a lot of trouble. They did the local research. They bring expensive gifts. They prostrate themselves before even this 
child king and worship him. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So what's the big point? King Jesus will receive worship from every tribe, tongue, and nation. He's a God of the nations, even at Christmas. And God is the one he orchestrated all this. He's the one who gave the star communication to these star scientists of old. Salvation begins with the Jewish world, but it never ends there. God desires to be worshipped, trusted, and treasured by all nations. And the way of the wise is the worship of King Jesus. Joy at this good news that the king has come. That's the way of the wise. And there's the way of the foolish. It's the way of resistance to King Jesus. Hatred of the truth. Ultimately, just pride, right? Saying to yourself, like Herod said, I will not relinquish my little kingdom. I will not have any rivals to my authority. I will ultimately be the authority. There's the way of worship, just the way of the wise. There's the way of pride, just the way of Herod. There's a way of pride, there's a way of the wise when it comes to Jesus. Which will we choose? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this picture of different responses to you. Lord, I pray that those that are here this morning would respond to you in humility. Lord, we pray that your death and your resurrection, your promise of a return, the message of your Bible, that it's all of grace, it's not of works, lest anybody can boast, would be humbled by your mercy given in Jesus as our substitute to remove the wrath of God from sinners and call them into your home as children of the living God. Lord, would you help us see that this morning? And if there's anybody here this morning that does not know that and not received that and welcome that into their life, I pray that you would make that alive to their hearts so they would love the truth and not resist it. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word and this picture that you've given us this morning of baptism, but also the way of Herod and the way of the wise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.